0: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.
1: This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com.
2: We talk about food. We talk about music.
0: Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm your host, Darren Bresnitz. We head to the Lone Star State, my second home, Austin, Texas, to chat with Tracy Malachek Ezekiel and Arjav Ezekiel, the co-owners of Birdie's, one of the top restaurants to emerge in the last few years. Their son, Remy, is also in the mix for the conversation, and he gives an up-to-date take on the local dining scene how they have built a new model for a restaurant in Texas and who gets to pick the playlist at their fine, casual spot. And then we head deep into the archives. We're talking a decade for one of our favorite performances from singer-songwriter Cassandra Jenkins, who stopped by to talk about growing up in a musical family and played some songs from her latest album at the time, Play Till You Win. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy snacky tunes here on Heritage Radio Network. <music>
2: It's hair.
0: Tracy, Arjav, Little Remy, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Thank you for making time with the restaurant and being new parents. Really appreciate it. Welcome to the show.
4: Thank you. Yeah, we're
5: thrilled to be here. Big fans.
0: Thank you. Um, So, used to live in Austin, huge fan of the culinary scene, but it's been a minute since we've had someone from the city on the show. Can you give us a little bit of perspective? What's What's the local scene like?
5: Yeah. I think it's a really exciting time to be in Austin. You know, I think the national news media has been really captivated by what's going on with Mm -hmm. tech moving here. Sure. What's happened in the restaurant industry. Um, it's been really like an exciting four or five years here. Um, I think there are restaurants that are uh, kind of pushing the envelope with uh, what they're doing with their business models. Um, and I think that includes us to some degree. Um, you know, but I think it's a really exciting time to eat here. Um, There are a few restaurateurs that are doing like world-class kind of food, Mm. Uh, but all kind of done in humble, easy to access settings. And I think that's what kind of makes Austin's dining um, scene unique.
0: Yeah. I mean, you two are fellow New York expats who went through the fine dining circuit there, but now you live in Austin, you have a newborn baby. So I think the question might answer itself, but... What made you want to leave the city? And Tracy, I know that you're from Texas, but was Austin calling or were you just like, we just got to get out of the Big Apple?
4: Um, At first, we were between a few cities. We were between Los Angeles, Mm. Portland, Oregon, and Austin. And we always tell the story, we flipped a coin. Um, No. The final final verdict was (laughs) Portland, Oregon, or Austin. And Austin won. And I think it was... You know, serendipitous because I think it's the right place for us. Mm. Um, We've met this incredible community, super supportive, made a lot of friends. um, And it's just a really great town. Um, And, you know, I think we casually chatted about dreaming of opening something in New York or Brooklyn. And then we were just crunching numbers and, Mm Watching so many fantastic restaurants with the most talented teams just go out of business or have mm-hmm. to shutter because of a landlord or just, you know, whatever New York City racket item came <laughs> at them. It, it was just like, this is nuts, you know, like we love New York for sure. Um, of course. Always. Well, it's the best. But yeah, um, it just wasn't looking like it made financial sense. Um, we also knew we wanted to have a family at some point. Um, We wanted to have a little bit of a work life balance. So we closed for a Sunday, Monday. We have a backyard. We have two dogs. And, you know, we just couldn't put those things together in our heads in New York, you know, and whoever can, more power to them. But we could not figure that out, that magic um, formula. And one of
5: the philosophical underpinnings of, like, you know, having moved here right before the pandemic, um, like, we moved here in 2018, um, we signed the lease for this restaurant like a month before the pandemic shut down the entire restaurant industry. Wow. February, right before everything closed in like mid March of that year. Um, but one of the philosophical underpinnings of the restaurant is very much like we want the restaurant to work for us. Like we don't necessarily always want to be the people who work for the restaurant. And I, Mm -hmm. we very clear to us if we were in New York and to some extent LA, um, that just the unit economics of like how you would have to operate a restaurant meant that you had to open seven days a week, likely Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. lunch and dinner, maybe even breakfast just to like put the, like a roof over your head. Uh, And I think for us, it was like, okay, how do we build a restaurant that fits our life and lifestyle and kind of work it backwards from there. So like for us, it was really about finding the right real estate deal. Um, So we spent, you know, almost two years looking for the right like like deal and then we found it uh, we opened this restaurant on a really kind of shoestring budget um uh, we opened with like you know dollar plates from like crate and barrel sure and sure being able to upgrade over time but uh it was like okay let's create like a minimum viable product first and then yeah like, grow from there rather than like open like a restaurant with all the bells and whistles right off the uh, off the jump.
0: sure not shipping down uh scalloped, fishes, Eddie's plates that can be broken and no translated, right? Yeah.
5: No doubt.
4: yeah um, and also, also New York, I think the labor laws, you know, are oh, yeah. kind of nuts. And, you know, we couldn't tip out our cooks and our uh, dishwashing team. We, we just couldn't take care of them the way we would want to. Um, so that was another big, big reason.
0: Now, you two met at Untitled, which was – I'd say a harbinger of things to come of, of restaurants and things like that of opening up in museums and um, hotels and things like that. But beyond that shift in the in the restaurant opening, um, how did you two actually meet at the restaurant? And did you guys know?
5: Tell the story. I'm not telling it.
0: I want to hear it. Come on. Uh, you want to tell
4: Um, yeah, well, we met initially, our job was a captain and I was a sous chef and we were kind of friends and, um, then he got promoted to, to manager and we both, so untitled was in the meatpacking district, um, the base of the Whitney museum. Mm -hmm. We both lived in the East village. So we'd, once we both were on the closing shift, we'd, you know, be closing manager. So we'd get out late, we'd take the L train home Mm -hmm. or across town and, you know, sometimes you'd be like, Hey, you want to grab a Negroni, you know, after this. Yeah. And, um, we just became friends and, um, we'd actually always joke. We would split up the halal card on, yeah. uh, was um, it first yeah. <laughs> and be like, see you, see you tomorrow. You know? Um, but there was one night we we were grabbing Negronis at, um, a dive on right by Thompson square park. Yeah. And, um, I was like, you know, I think we're really in line professionally. I, I think someday we should open a restaurant together. <laughs> I think it would be really great. And, you know, I do the back, you do the front and it would be awesome. And our job was like, you know, what, what else we should do together? And I was like, what? And, and he was like, we should, we should get married. And I, I said, excuse this me. like
5: before we'd
0: gone on our first. No I day. was going to say, also you led with the business proposal. usually the other way around.
4: I, I mean, he he just <laughs> went on in and had that liquid confidence, and so that kind of became like the start of our is this going to be more you know than friends relationship?
0: Oh um, my god, we've been but, married
5: almost five years and a baby, so wow.
0: Yeah. Well, how did you take that step then to actual business partners? Because it is one thing to have Negronis and to dream and to think; it's quite another thing to say we're going to actually put our lives together financially as well.
5: Well, I think once we started um, dating, it was kind of like one of those like New York accelerants where you're like, okay, I have mm-hmm.
3: to,
5: to like save money on rent. <laughs> um, so we kind of jumped into it like almost uh, like we moved in with each other uh, just under a year after we started dating. Um, and then I think like we got, you know, engaged like right around a year or two of our, our dating cycle. And we were like, okay, we're engaged. Like what, what's the next kind of natural step here? Um, we were in like a tiny, like shoebox apartment in sure. Brooklyn, and I think we, we, we just kind of gotten to the tipping point, right? I think we'd been there, Tracy had been there a long time. I was in DC before that, but we just kind of gotten to tipping point where we're like, okay, we're ready to settle down, ready to like, we've made this commitment to each other. Let's think about where we want to go and like what we would do if we went there. And I think we started putting together some like broad stroke ideas on, um, like the restaurant we'd want to open.
4: Made a, uh, made a bad business plan. Mm-hmm.
5: Um, it was a good business plan. It was just like very different than what we did. Right. Like I don't know
4: if our numbers were – Yeah, it was just uh, actually yeah. a totally different concept, totally you know. Different concept. Um, initially, it was like uh, – It was going to be like a Gramercy Tavern Italian of often or something. I mean,
0: well, given where you're working, where you're met and being in New York, that makes sense because you're like, well, I'm just going to recreate the mold just in sort of my shape.
4: Right. Right. And I, you know, who doesn't love uh, something off the grill and with, you know, cocktails. Mites.
0: Oh yeah.
4: What's not to love. Um, but I think the reality is once we were like, okay, this is a budget we're in a pandemic. Um, we don't have a lot of money behind us. We're like mm-hmm. trying to together investors. So let's keep this as lean and mean as possible. And so it just became this like evolution. This concept kept evolving throughout the pandemic, um, throughout the space when we found it without a broker, um, it essentially was like you know to put in a uh you know a massive grill um that could support oak and fire and that what that hood system would look like which yeah. just astronomical for our scrappy budget and we're like yep. you know maybe that's concept too if we get there but let's just do what we can for um as limited amount of a budget as possible so that's how birdies kind of came about yeah
5: and we went from like being this like you know, like Tracy was saying, like, this Italian version of a Gramercy Tavern to, like, a breakfast concept. Mm. A good friend of ours was like, don't do that. That's really stupid. Um, you guys <laughs> should not do breakfast concepts. You're not going to make any
4: money. Also, we're not morning people, so I don't know what we were thinking. Yeah, so yeah, yeah,
5: yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we like, the, you know, we mo- we built our business model around counter service because of that. Mm. Um, for eating at squirrel and seeing how well that did sure. like destroyer, and we're kind of like, oh, this is cool. Like you could do elevated food with counter service. But then we said, Who made the rule we can't do this at night at dinner with a big wine list? Um and we said, you know, that's like the inherent risk, maybe in our um business model, but like let's let's try it. Um so we opened this kind of like a uh, we what we like to call fine like we're a fine casual restaurant. So mm. um It's a super chill restaurant, like the music's turned up, but like the level of food and hopefully the wine um, match something you would expect at a fine dining restaurant. Uh, But it's all um, done with counter service. So you order your food, you get a flag, you sit down, and then you have service after that. Uh, But you don't have a host, you don't have a maitre d', you don't have a captain, a server, a back waiter. So we, you know, on any given night, we have four people in the kitchen. Yeah. uh, and six people in the dining room, and we do like 180 200 covers a night. So, wow. um, so it's like an extremely lean labor model. Yeah, but that was also very much as an attempt one to keep figure out how do we keep our you know our team really well paid without necessarily harming the business in any way, right? So everybody, the nice thing about Birdies for like the dishwasher, or the cooks, we're allowed to tip out um, anyone uh, and. In Texas, as long as you're paying them above uh, minimum wage, don't mm. uh, we'll take a tip credit. But everybody on the team is participates in a flat tip pool, which means that um, we we don't have a point system, so we're not valuing a server's labor any more. Exactly. Than, yeah, which is the dishwasher. Um, like last week, for example, like the dishwasher made thirty two dollars an hour. The week before that, the dishwasher made forty dollars an hour. So did That's our server, awesome. our cook. You know, so every it's a kind of a it's a flat labor model where we um kind of collect pool tips uh, weekly and then distribute them based on the number of hours somebody works
0: amazing well let's take a quick little musical break because when i come back i want to hear a little bit more about this approach to to this type of dining at night the menu building and then also some of the music that you play at the restaurant because i know that's a big part of what you do as well we have a song from the archives here on snacky tunes on heritage radio network
6: in the sky for once in my life. Heaven can wait, but not tonight. Even the window of things that I lack. Wherever I go, I go away now. Some say dreaming is a waste of time. I've got nothing else in my life. And the lights you took with you They left me tonight Surfing down colors and rivers of blood And the sun making shapes, making shapes In my head Some say dreaming is a waste of time I can't get you inside driving down on the footy fire.
0: Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We are here with Tracy and Arjav of Birdies down in Austin, Texas. And so I think part of the spotlight that's been shined on Austin over the last few years is not just the restaurant scene and you know how that's grown, but also a focus on the local produce and building a network of different purveyors and things like that. How have you worked with them to influence your menu over the last few years
4: sure so it was a bit of a challenge um just in that coming from new york and going mm-hmm. to the Union square green market a few times a week you know it's just a, a different uh dynamic here so there are a couple markets here they're not near as um generous um as that of union square um, you know, I'm used to going to the market, you know, you see what's beautiful, you grab it, you put on the dish for that day and <laughs> live and it's rolling and it's romantic. But here, um, just by nature of um the scene here, um, you have to work directly with farmers. You develop relationships, which mm-hmm. is which is awesome. Um, you know, it's more of like you were off email lists, so you kind of learn what you like when and um becoming, you know, friends with these farmers. Um it's just a different style of menu planning and it's, you just kind of have to get ahead of it a little bit. And it's a little bit of trial and error. Um, there's also a company, um, farm to table that, um, delivers for a whole lot of restaurants. So you can get smaller farmers around Texas and ranchers who don't have the bandwidth or the you know financial means to deliver to all these restaurants in Austin, Houston, Dallas. And they're kind of that, um, middleman support. Um, so it's, it's different. Um, so I think that has been, that was a challenge in the beginning and by nature of being a seasonal restaurant, especially with sure. times, um, challenging growing conditions. Cause Austin is, it's tough. Um, a lot of the soil can be tough. The weather is, you know, 81 day it's 25 the next and then vice, you know, back at 75 yeah. yeah. day. And that just makes it really hard for our farmers. You know, we've got some really awesome ones, and they're just like, man, you know, we lost everything in this freeze, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and um, it's just, it's just tough growing conditions. Um, we get tomatoes in January and sometimes December. It's just mm. totally different, you know, which I love because I like a challenge. Um, right, right, right. So it's getting used to the new seasons um, is definitely interesting. Having like gazpacho. On the menu um next to something else uh, maybe maybe a smoked tomato soup in the winter but nonetheless mm. it's, it's definitely like a different um how do i say like a different arrangement cadence. yeah a different cadence of produce there than we
0: you- go um building off on that and knowing that things can change depending on what's available to market and up and down also having this type of service is an interesting approach as well, because you, you come from fine dining background and you also want to have this dinner approach that most pops up during breakfast or lunch. Right. Um, how do you foster this, the fine part of the fine casual where people don't feel like that they're getting up and they're getting picked or it just feels like the food's getting dropped off? How do you build that environment nightly?
5: That's a really good question. So um, for us, like we, we have a, a couple of kind of like touch points that are really mm-hmm. important us, right? So the place where you order your food uh, at the counter is a really important moment for us because we treat that very much like um, like a server would um, when they first come to your table at a restaurant. Um, so you get a spiel, like you taste wine. It's, it's very like, uh, the, the closest analogy is kind of like that first intro, like a server might make when they come mm-hmm. to your table at a fine dining restaurant. Um, and then once you sit down, um, we have all your needs taken care of you. So we we, we kind of use two um, approaches to that. So the first approach is there are a couple of servers that are always kind of roaming the dining room.
3: Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. They're in
5: charge of clearing tables, resetting tables, bringing you fresh silverware, bringing you fresh glassware. Uh, When you sit down, like somebody brings you um, water to your table and and a couple of glasses. Uh, We also use um, a QR code at every single table um, to allow people to order wine using their cell phone.
3: Mm. So.
5: Um, if someone wants to order like an extra glass of wine or um, uh, dessert because they w- weren't sure they had enough like food when they ordered up front, mm-hmm. um, we allow them to use a QR code on their phone that ties into our POS system, uh, and then they can order anything off our by the glass list, bottle list, uh, and dessert just using their cell phones. Okay. Uh,
0: that's great, and the response has obviously been pretty amazing. Um, given how much local and national press that you have, but added to that new type of service is also, and I know we touched on this a little bit is the new approach to running the restaurant. And I think the lean nature, the ability to tap out, but also, and obviously supplies to you now, but having things like paternity maternity leave, why was that important to you? How does the way that you do service and also the way that you run your business all work together?
4: Well, I think, you know, we've worked in a lot of great restaurants. Um, and I think, like, I was in New York since I graduated from CIA in 2008.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And I kind of saw, I guess, a little bit of the old generation
3: mm-hmm.
4: restaurants and how they worked. Um, it's just, you know, a different mentality and a different style and many different areas. Um, but I guess overall, we took from the things we loved from our restaurant experience and then left the things we didn't love. Mm-hmm. And we just said, you know what, we just want to create the space we want. And um, Texas is kind of like the Wild West. You know, you can do a lot as a um, entrepreneur. Um, I think that's why so many are attracted to come here. And so it's been, it's been empowering to be able to kind of just create the model we want and take care of our team the way we want to. Um, we also provide a month of um, paid time off year. We do a couple weeks in the summer for our summer break and then a couple nice. weeks over the holidays in the winter, I always, you know, was bummed for Christmas when I was by myself in New York, you know, many, many years. And, um, I just thought it was important that people, you know, can be with their loved ones, um, on holidays and stuff.
0: Absolutely.
4: It's a it's a core tenet of like who we are as a restaurant in part because you
5: know, paternity and maternity leave is a great example like family leave
3: mm-hmm. didn't
5: really feel like a real thing it was like a very much an intellectual exercise till we had remy who has been the soundtrack to this wonderful snacky tunes uh podcast if I'm we sure. could
0: have more kids on the show we would and we tell apologize. people all the time
5: we apologize in advance for no it.
0: apologies we're uh, f- uh family friendly
5: Go yeah. uh, there you go nice big burp <laughs> nice big burp uh, um but you know, I think one thing like Remy's with us at the restaurant most nights, right? I love that. We, but we we also are very aware of the fact that we're in a very privileged position
3: mm-hmm. as
5: owners to be able to do that. Sure, um, it became very clear to us that in the absence of like, you know, subsidized childcare, uh, it's a very very hard for people, young people, who are, however old they are, to like take that time that's so important after you have a baby to like bond, like build a family, like all those things. And it's impossible for me now with Remy to think about how I could imagine building something that I thought of as a career in an industry that didn't allow for that. So for us, it's really about continuing to be a a voice. Um, And I should say there are a lot of people doing really interesting, innovative things in the space now. Uh, But our goal at the end of the day is to continue to professionalize this industry and can to be a place where people can come develop. Okay. Uh, you know, we have really high expectations for a team. We, we give a lot, but we also ask a lot, but it, like anything, it has to be a two way street. Like we, we, like our team puts a lot of energy and effort into their work every day. So it only feels fair for us to reward them with, you know, mental health care uh, so that they have access to cheap, affordable, like therapy services if they need it, you know? Um, and it, it, it's, It's part of, like, this industry. It should be part of this industry. But, you know, I think when we started off, and Trace and I were talking about this restaurant concept, and the reason we ended up with counter service is, it was really important for us to be a healthy, profitable business. Mm -hmm. Like, so we could do those things, right? I think a lot of times, like, and this is always my impression. I don't have any, like, hard evidence to back this up. But, you know, in New York or whatever, we talked about the toxic restaurant culture that is, like, Time now, right? I think a lot of that comes from like ownership, chefs, whatever it is, like general managers under so much pressure to like make that extra percent or whatever it is that they're under such incredible pressure. Or to
4: keep the lights on. Just to keep the
5: lights on. Right? And payroll, yeah. And how how can you expect to take care of people if you can't take care of yourself?
3: Mm -hmm.
5: Right? So for us, it's like, okay, our team has to be able to take care of themselves. Mentally, financially, emotionally, spiritually, so they can take really good care of our team, our, our guests, you know. Um, so it's very much like that kind of approach. And we try as much as we can to meet our team where they are. Uh, but also, it's a helpful thing for the business, right? Like it helps with retention. It helps. Yeah. Um, like, you know, taking a month off every year is expensive as hell because we pay people. To take that time off, but they come back recharged, inspired. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The idea that, like, they come back with ideas that'll generate the revenue that, like, maybe it cost us uh, to send them away, right? So it's like those that, like, we give our management team, like, an educational bonus so that they can use that they can use on travel if they want to uh, on those vacations. So we'll pay for your ticket to go to France and study. The um, you know, winemaking, whatever. But then we expect you to come back and share some of those lessons with the team. Uh,
0: so obviously, you've been open for two years, and this is a new type of approach.
5: <laughs> not, even, not even quite two years. Not
0: even quite. It's a little under two years. A little under. Um, what's the learning curve been on this type of approach? What have you had to adjust?
4: Um. Our
5: expectations uh,
4: Yeah, um, yeah I, I think we have a we try to have a really positive outlook. I to be totally honest. I think coming from New York where everyone's kind of intense.
3: Yeah. I think
4: some people are like, You guys are intense. And we're like, What? We're relaxed. No, you know? No.
0: It's the it's thing. It's the thing time. when you come start coming west. People are like, no. huh. Okay. <laughs> I'm like,
5: I'm not even like in the top ten most intense people no. I know. No.
4: Yeah, no. You know. Yeah. Um so it's a little different, you know, mentality. Um, but we do have a fantastic team and um personally, um the biggest challenge and thing I've been surprised with was it wasn't even opening the restaurant because you know, you're trained to open a restaurant as a restaurant professional um by studying with these, you know, fantastic mentors throughout the years. Um so I think the restaurant opening was like relatively easy in the scheme yeah, of things. It was actually- um, it was, for me, it was getting pregnant. Um, mm. I full transparency. I did, we did IVF um, sure. all the time and like did fertility stuff. Um, a lot of failed procedures and, um, you know, a lot of medicine they put you on that makes it also challenging, you know, Very running. Yeah. and then once I got pregnant, you know, which was like truly a miracle, um, I got extraordinarily sick. Um, so I not would, for
5: three months for like all nine months, not just like, like a cool.
4: little, <sighs> a little thing here and there. It, it, it was debilitating. You know, I could like barely stand up some nights at the pass. Ugh. Um, I changed the menu. I took off all fried items cause I couldn't smell the fry oil. I was wearing a 95 mask, even when COVID, you know,
0: you're like, sorry guys, no I, fries, I, no I nothing. Couldn't.
4: Yeah. I mean, I was relying on like my sous chef to taste. Pastas because I literally I, I I couldn't I physically would like wow. have to, go to the bathroom, um, and, and you know that I think was the biggest challenge because because I couldn't get out of bed for most of the day our job would have to take on my responsibilities or oh we got short of this um, you know where are we going to get this Bart from our friend's restaurant okay can you go get it you know I can't I'm literally like could hardly have a conversation in bed right. so I think I think and and not being prepared for that, you know, not having a game plan for that, um, that would really knock us on our socks. And um, our team just thank thankfully they were amazing. They stepped up, they did extra, they, you know, had our backs um, because that was extraordinarily, that was probably the hardest time of my life.
5: Yeah. I was, I think it was hard on, and it was hard on like us as a couple. It was hard, hard on us as a restaurant Sure. Hard, individually. And I think like, you know, obviously now we're on the other side of it and it was mm-hmm. worth it. But like there were days we had a line like down the block out the front door and like I was shooting Tracy up with her medications, you know, and like in the bathrooms in the middle of service, like we stopped the line because like you have to do when you're yeah. doing, I you yeah. have, have to happen at a certain time. And like, like I'm literally we're in the bathroom, like administering those like medications in the middle of service. So, you know, I think the thing I learned a lot about Tracy was that like, she's, Definitely the most strong, like person I've ever been around, and I've been around a lot of strong people in my life. Um, and it kind of gives you a Thanks. sense as to, like, you know, how lucky you are too to like be with someone that you can like ride and do all this stuff with, as hard as it is. I think you know that was certainly like a really hard chapter for us. I think the other thing that maybe caught us off guard wasn't hard; it was just like a matter of adapting and learning. Was we never expected to be as busy as we are? Like, mm. I, think, I think maybe people. Have this like impression that oh like they did this like counter service thing just so they had a line like we never thought we'd have a line we thought maybe we would have like three people deep right like to come eat dinner, um, and, like, we we just never thought we would be as busy as of a restaurant as we are like even my best case projections before we opened like we doubled that last year right wow so I think that was very much like a moment where we had to say hey like we Tracy and I sat down we we're like we have to change
3: mm. like.
5: The restaurant that we thought of in our head like we're no longer that restaurant we're no longer just like a neighborhood casual restaurant like there was a couple that flew in from norway just to eat at birdies and they flew back like the like the next night and like when the, and that was the, when tracy and i sat down we're like i think it's okay for us to say that like people are driving across the city yeah. to come to us. people are flying in to come eat like at birdies you know because we're doing something maybe that's a little bit different than most people have seen at a restaurant and like, it's okay. Like, we can say that to ourselves without being dicks. You know, we're not, like, full of ourselves just because we say, like, people are, like, traveling to eat here. And I think b- both of us wanted to put ourselves in a place where, we're like, we don't want to talk about some of this stuff. It's, like, crazy that this is all happening because it very much was. But the second we started acknowledging some of that, we, could, we changed some of our systems. Like, we created more SOPs. We made it easier for, like, our management team to, like, operate the restaurant when we weren't here. And that's taken time, but, you know, Tracy and I sat down for dinner for the first time at our restaurant a month ago.
0: Wow. With or without Remy? With Remy. Of course. I mean, the real, I mean, that's what what an incredible thing to have and to to see him and to have the restaurant. And it's a beautiful thing. and, And it speaks testament to like what you've built and what you've been able to do. And I know that you say, you know, maybe you don't think of yourself as a neighborhood restaurant, but I have found, That Look, you've gotten a lot of great awards, people are coming in, but the restaurants that do last are the ones that have that, at least in the core, like the idea of serving the neighborhood and, like, being part of the community. Um,
5: Our regulars are part of our family. Yeah. I think, like, they were part of our journey with Remy, too. Like, there's so many of our regulars who brought Remy, like, clothes and, like, created, like, custom birdies gear for them and, like, you know... There, we were just incredibly lucky to have like this community, not just of the guests that walk in and the people who work here, but uh, the broader restaurant community in Austin is what is maybe the most. I'll go as far as to say the most collaborative, mm.
3: uh,
5: genuinely like excited restaurant community I've ever been around. There's no sense of competitiveness here. There's very much a sense that that like, every like you know rising tide lifts all ships.
3: Mm-hmm. And,
5: um, our closest friends here have gone out of their way to like support us, um, especially when Remy came. Like the restaurant community fed us for the first wow. like, three weeks. You know, because we got home and like didn't do. We had so much going on. Like every day, Fiore, a good friend of ours who owns Locadoro, um, in oh Australia, yeah, oh yeah, Fiore set up a meal train for us, and like so every thoughtful. chef in the so city, food for us for three weeks. And <laughs> Probably
0: the best tasting. And this is no offense to any other meal train, but to have the best chefs in Austin be like, and here you go. Here's the comfort food you need at your house. It's. Yeah. 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 yeah
5: it's great. Totally nuts.
0: So you know? all you got to do is get pregnant, work in the restaurant industry in Austin, and then you get like the most incredible oh, totally. meal train from the exactly. community.
5: Exactly. to Austin, Texas,
0: everybody. Um, we you getting biscuits. We're you getting some Olimate biscuits uh, as well?
5: well. We went and picked up some Olimate biscuits.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, Pregnant, pregnant or not, or kid or not, I'll take those biscuits any day. Um, sure. I want to make sure that we fit in one last thing about the restaurant because it's such a beautiful story and the service and the family community built, but the music and the playlist has also gotten a lot of recognition. I, I read about it in a couple of articles. What can people expect on the soundtrack? Who's putting the music together? What's the vibe you're trying to create?
4: Um. Yeah, I think... Well, I, I do... I do the playlist, mostly, um, I used to be really into music before I started cooking. Mm -hmm. I started, cooking, I mean, kind of late at like 22. Um, I, you know, just played soccer as a kid, went to college, um, and went to a lot of shows, like a lot of like indie rock and like local bands and some like small punk rock bands kind of music. And I always just love the spirit, the aliveness of, of that. And, um, I, I think I took, like, I'll make playlists that are like different chapters of my life. Like I've got like late nineties, early two thousands, um, early nineties R and B. Like I would listen to in seventh grade, getting ready for school. And so I just kind of, I think it is personal, the playlist, because it's like a chapter or a moment of life, or sometimes we'll play whole albums just depending on the weather outside. So it does feel personal. It feels like you're coming to our house you know for a dinner party Mm. and i i I think that the music um sometimes it is a little loud um and i think whenever we open people in austin weren't always used to that i think in new york there was a lot of fun loud restaurants but austin i think we were pretty early on there um i think yeah buffalina
0: um i love buffalina yeah yeah awesome
4: um, but, but yeah, I, I just kind of want the playlist to kind of um, starts a little chill at 4.30 mm-hmm. and then progresses throughout the night um, to be more lively on Friday, Saturdays. There's definitely um, maybe a little bit more of, like, a dancey kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, it just depends on the, the weather and, like, you know, what you're feeling. Yeah, sure.
5: Like, sometimes, like, the early crowd is, like, people my parents' age. And, like, for me, like – music is about nostalgia as much as anything else, right? So it's like listening to the Beatles and the Mamas and the Papas, like that reminds me of like my parents. So like we'll play like the Beatles, and the Mamas and the Papas sometimes early on, even though it's like maybe not the coolest thing to listen to, but it makes the people who are eating here feel nostalgic and feel special. And I think like, I think nostalgia and music are like, for me, like that's the thing that about music I love the most is kind of reminds me also like Tracy, like different chapters in my life. Um, whether it was like moving to America or like, you know, the first five years we were here and like, mm. we to, like with the stuff we listened to while we were in India, um, it always like th- those are the soundtracks of like our life as much as anything else. And, um, so we change our, our music a lot. And like the only thing Tracy and I really argue about at work is the music. Cause I will, I'll, I'll want to play something versus she'll want to play and, and something. And it'll be
4: like in the way wrong order. And we'll just like keep, <laughs> you know, old, old married couple at the past fighting over the the iPad selection like no that's the wrong wrong vibe right now no
0: no no well listen if that's the only thing you're fighting over then I would say a testament to your success and approach um, if people want to come to birdies uh, they want to follow along with everything and what you're up to where can they go how can they follow along
5: yeah we, so we don't have a phone number uh, we do have a website and that's birdiesaustin.com uh, and if you want to communicate with us Instagram is the best way Birdies Austin on Instagram
0: awesome uh, Awesome. Well listen, thank you so much, Remy, you cutie. Is he sleeping?
5: Yeah, he's taking a little oh nap. Oh my fire.
0: god. So cute. You, you know, he he is the first uh baby to fall asleep in the middle of an interview here. So it says I, I say we did a great job. Um Thank you again to Bailey. Thank you again for sitting down. We have a song from the archives and then a live performance here on Snacky Tunes on Heritage Radio Network.
1: with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio.
0: So we have uh, Sam Austin and Cassandra all joining us. Welcome. Thank you. Hi. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us on this Sunday.
7: So happy to be here.
0: And a uh, big shout out to Andrew Oposo <laughs> for uh, making this all happen.
7: He, man, Andrew has made so many things happen to me. He's, in he's my a life. real mensch. a
0: real mensch. Andrew true. of Jessica 6, Midnight uh, Her Her Magic, love affair. Her love affair. and also, like, why we saw him last night, and the first thing he said to us was, he's like, you know what I'm super excited about. I'm like, what? He's like, Cassandra's going to be on the show tomorrow. And we're like, wow, that's the first. He's just thinking about you.
7: Such a sweet guy. Um, and bass player. Extraordinary. Uh, he's uh,
0: one of the best and best bass face.
7: Oh yeah. Top five yeah. bass face.
0: <laughs> just especially when uh, they're doing when they were doing the uh, like fully mixed Hercules Love Fair sets and he was doing the transitions and he was conducting with his face. Oh my god.
7: Man, that was before my time. Was it?
0: Yep. But uh, you but you've been in New York though.
7: I've been in New York. Andrew and I became very fast friends because of the the New York Connections. Like when we found out that we were drinking at the same bars when we were 16. Which ones? Um, well, the Abbey Pub is yeah. Oh, yeah, a great place to go before you're 21. Blue that and place.
0: Gold is good too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Cherry Bar <laughs> yeah. on 6? Yeah. Should-
7: I was an uptown lady. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh. And your family's still up there, right?
7: They are, yeah, yeah. They're still up there. And
0: they're still playing music.
7: Yeah, we had a house concert last night.
0: Yeah, tell me about the house concerts.
7: Um, we've been doing them for 12 years now. And
0: Have you missed any?
7: I've missed a few. Just a few, though? Just a few. I try to be there whenever I can. Um,
0: are, they, are there an annual thing during the wintertime?
7: They're actually monthly, believe it or not. And we're having two this month.
0: Um, You've only missed a few, and they're monthly?
7: They're monthly, yeah. Oh my
0: God. So what are they?
7: Um, well, last night we had a harpist, a solo harpist. It was beautiful. And, and who's we? Uh, we is my family. <laughs> I, I am a member of a family of five, the Jenkins family. And my mom actually has a blog called the Jenkins House Concerts blog, and she posted Snacky Tunes today. Oh Yeah. Thanks, Mom. Very excited. It went out to the blog
0: community. Oh, big on the uptown. <laughs> thank you, Dear mom. Mommy bloggers, yeah, <laughs> yeah, thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> yeah.
7: Um, but basically, uh, it's a, a format of, we invite 65 people or so to our house. That's a comfortable number. Sometimes it gets bigger than that. And
0: kinda- what? Where do you live?
7: I live on the Upper West Side. Believe it or not, you wouldn't think that this apartment would fit 65 people, but we make it happen every month. And we invite a guest artists, usually a band, to come play two sets of music. There's always an intermission in between when people get wine and food. And usually my family will open in some way, shape, or form. And so last night, my sister and I sang a Carter family song, and my brother played Naturally. a new song that he wrote. Yep. <laughs> Naturally. Naturally. <laughs> um, and next, in a couple weeks, we have Tony Trishka, the great banjo player, coming to play. It's a holiday-themed show.
0: Can I ask you a question? <laughs> of course. Partridge Family or Brady Bunch?
7: <laughs> We've gotten actually more. Um, what's it called? The Wes Anderson film. Uh,
0: Tr- Royal Tannenbaum.
7: Royal. T- we got that more than we did Partridge Family. That seems like or a, a,
0: a modern thing. And and what does does New your York, does your fair. entire family play?
7: We all play. My dad is a piano player. He, growing up, um, he made a living playing in all the hotels around New York. So the St. Regis, oh the God. Plaza, Carlisle, the, the Carlisle. He just played a gig at the Carlisle. I bet he, he was did. very Wait excited about it. He's he likes He's one of those
0: like hotel piano players he's of like yesteryear. Exa-
7: he's kind of a dying breed.
0: Oh my God! What's his tip cup look like?
7: It depends on who's coming in that night. Uh, yeah. it, you know, I, I actually don't know. I haven't seen it in a while.
0: I imagine Goblet, but I don't think that's yeah, the right. Like <laughs> Or Vaz. <vase. Yeah. laughs>
7: I think it depends on the place.
0: I think one of my fantasies as a child was being that type of piano player, but then I you know, gave up. It's obviously. crazy.
7: He knows so many
0: songs. D- does he have a bow tie that he's never actually tied, just that's draped around his neck? <laughs>
7: <laughs> you know, he used to wear a tuxedo to work. And that became kind of uncool you, at a certain point. Can you
0: let me know when he's playing next and I can just go and like sit Actually, there. we should yeah, just yeah, actually go. have him come in.
7: I would love can that. Can he, is there Do like you a you guys have of, a grand piano? We don't, but
0: <laughs> d- would he be willing to uh, like sort some, figure something out?
7: Absolutely. He's okay. got a, he's got a travel case. Can he just, just like if awesome. he could just
0: play, if he could just riff in the background for an hour.
7: Oh, that would be the best. Yeah.
0: He riffs, right?
7: He, My he a, riffs. My dad riffs. Just on. one
0: more story about your dad. Just one more question. I mean, I have actually a lot of questions. I
7: hope he's listening right now.
0: Does he have any of those like I was with you know Belinda Carlisle? Like really, Wrong the one. Rainbow Room and no, I haven't like the rap. Hat, oh yeah, like and Bobby the, and and Frank.
2: Oh, Bernadette, I, I I'm have sorry. stories. I don't know. We, I don't know. How much time Peters.
0: We have. Peters. We have time. We have well, time for this. When
7: yeah, <laughs> when I was a kid, uh, I remember going to Little Italy, and my mom just knowing everybody down there, just be like, hey Patsy, and. Later on, I found out that they used to play at SPQR, which is now closed. May it rest in peace. um
0: Pouring a glass of vino for it.
7: They were, yeah, they were the house band, and they would play. Um, occasionally, they would play. Uh, I'm air quoting private parties,
3: mm-hmm.
7: um, but it was really like a mafia hangout. Wow! And oh, they like were there. Gentlemen's club, speakeasy. Yeah, they they were. Um, they would play so that it was just it had the vibe of, of a party.
0: And what was uh, touring with your family like growing up?
7: Touring was really fun. We actually spent a lot of time in Maine. So I was excited Ooh. to hear some Maine stories today.
0: Did you eat lobster up there?
7: We ate tons of lobster. Uh, I wonder we, if they ever
0: went to your grandparents' restaurant. Maybe. That would be Yeah. That
7: would be some series. That would blow my mind. I, oh, yeah.
0: I would have to lay down <laughs> if uh, you and your parents went to...
7: Well, we'll have to go there at some point on our way up this summer. We go to Swan's Island every summer. And there's a tiny festival... Um, about halfway up the coast and we would travel in a 56 1956 gmc bus to get there um with lots of instruments in tow um and at that point it felt more like beverly hillbillies
0: than it oh, did okay. royal tannin okay. so. well that movie hadn't come out yet so it's it's an <laughs> yeah. unfair it's an unfair comparison yeah. uh
7: but yeah that we spent a lot of time traveling that way and it's currently in upstate New York. Uh, the motor needs some work, but Dad's Dad's working on it. It's um,
0: working. Well, why don't we? <laughs> yeah. okay. uh, why don't we get a song? Oh
3: okay. my God! Yeah. Okay.
7: Um, yeah. Well, we were thinking about playing one that we just wrote actually this month, um, after listening to Snacky tunes. Um, shortly after Lou Reed passed away, on Daylight Savings Day.
0: Awesome, uh, that is really the best drum setup that we have seen here. Someone who really <laughs> understood the room that we were playing in. Uh,
7: this is Austin Vaughn on the drums, by yeah. the way.
0: What, what up, Austin? Say what's up.
3: Hello, Snakatunes audience. Let's. Uh, <laughs>
0: and Cassandra's mom. <laughs> and Cassandra's mom's follow- blog follower. Yeah, and <laughs> my uh, dad. And your dad. Let's. <laughs> um, how did the three of you meet? Yeah.
7: Uh, well, actually, uh, I. Yeah, let's get Austin in on this. What about
8: this?
9: <laughs> this goes
8: deep.
7: Let's let Austin speak for a second.
9: Sam and I uh, met probably before we were in high school, right? Because we were both from North Carolina. Yeah, 15. And Sam, well, too bad you didn't bring your clarinet, but when I met Sam, he was playing saxophone. Oh, I was...
0: You promised clarinet, no clarinet yeah. I forgot it no, nice. man. All It's right. a spacey Sunday but still, uh, it's Sundays. Sundays, it's Sundays. tough on Sundays
9: yeah. Yeah. It's tough. But yeah, so we met each other when we were like young teenagers and then realized that we were both going to end up going to this school in North Carolina called North Carolina School of the Arts yeah. and we were in high school there like with college kids and we had the time of our lives and then and We were roommates that's true. We were each other's first roommates, and now we live together now. Yeah. Uh, but so then, when Sam moved to New York way before I did, and he was like, "You definitely should move here," I was like, "I don't want to do that." And then I did. And then I met Cassandra through a guy named Jonathan Rosen, who is brothers with a guy named Michael Rosen, who's in a band called Ice Water. And I introduced Sam to Cassandra, it's or vice versa. That's true. Yeah. At the Manhattan Inn.
0: It was at the Manhattan Inn. Who also has a piano player from time yeah. to time. They,
3: they
7: do, like very that. much like my I, dad. Yeah, has your dad actually. ever
0: has your dad ever been there?
7: No, I really want to get him a gig there. Yeah. But yeah. It would make
0: the story it would, like, add another layer to the story <laughs> you just told.
7: Let's add that layer. Yeah,
0: let, let's add that layer. <laughs> Dad, if you're listening, let's there's, add the layer. Yeah.
7: There's there's some really good music happening at the Manhattan Inn these yeah. days.
0: And uh, shout out to Brooke, who uh, is yeah. one of the founders of the, like, old friend of ours who started Glassland yeah. Gallery. Cool. She's oh, cool. amazing. Yeah. And she just had a kid. Mm-hmm. She did have a kid. That baby is cute, up yeah. on yeah. the Instagram. Yeah. Up. Uh, yeah. What? <laughs> I was giving
7: Austin a little thumbs up. Um, oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, that was a good, I, I, I used to have a radio show. I had a multiple radio shows in
9: college. Oh, yeah. So I don't, uh, I don't
0: have he's a radio mic, man.
3: Uh,
0: so, now, when the three of you met, how did it kind of transform to you know what we're looking at here? <laughs>
7: That's a good question. Yeah,
0: well, when did three become can one? I, can I...
7: <laughs> collaboration?
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: well,
7: uh, Austin introduced us at the Manhattan Inn. It was a Greg Saunier solo drums night. Um, and we were all there hanging out appreciating the music. And... Um,
8: what
7: is solo drums? Solo, so Austin, you want to show us what solo drums is? <laughs> uh,
3: it's when you
7: play alone? When you play alone? Oh, so like literally, the, it's my, really th- exciting. Yeah.
8: The drummer in my band, his name is Max El Mario and he works with at the Manhattan and he's a bartender. And he curates because he's a drummer. He curates this night. I think it's usually on Sundays, and it's all like solo drummers. And they is come in amazing? and and it's yeah. Wait, it's is it solo
0: band. drummers together? No, no, okay. by themselves. A series. Oh, okay. it's Got a it. series. Yeah.
7: Yeah. Um, but shortly thereafter, we, we, I went to go see Celestial Shore, Sam's band at Glasslands, and we were all hanging out outside, and Austin looked at the two of us, and he said, you know, you guys, you, you should collaborate. I think that'd be good. And, and Sam's response was, oh, there will be collaboration <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with full confidence, and here we are today.
8: Wow. Wow. That is a bold... That's a bold it was bold. That was, I loved that. that. Was a it's a good move. line. That was before yeah. we were yeah. dating. Yep. Yeah. Oh, no, no.
0: oh, you, you guys are dating?
7: Yeah, let's add that layer.
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you, need, you need lines like that. Sorry. So there's a lot of collaboration going there's on. A lo- <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah, Sam and I have been dating ever since, actually. And
0: wow. Was it that line? Y-
7: yep. That line kind of did it for me. Yep. Really? Yeah.
0: Like firework.
7: And not to mention that uh, I was also going to see Sam play guitar and and... That did it for me we, too. We we made hey, note,
0: note to listeners: dudes and bands get girls. You heard it here first. <laughs> you heard on, it here <laughs> on Either either pick up go a guitar, get that guitar right now. Yeah, pick up a chef's knife. i yeah. um, get some girls. He's a good
7: we, cook too. Uh, do, oh,
0: you? What what do you? What do you guys
8: cook, you? cook together?
7: Um, well, Austin and Sam have a really great dish that they made for that me early stands. on. I can't take any okay, well no,
8: that's overused. Let's talk about another no, no, dish. No, 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 no. <laughs> What's this dish? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, see, I hesitate because we used it. The, my band did an interview with Brooklyn Magazine, and they do this thing where you're you're given a budget of twenty dollars, and and you have to cook, and they take pictures and interview you while you're doing it. Well, look, and, here's the deal. No one's heard of this. To this show, so you can talk no, about it. No, no. no. <laughs> <Okay>. Well, <laughs> and, Everyone's Anyway, if you are show. listening, it's a cool it's a cool thing What's in the, the Brooklyn Magazine. It's nachos, but it's it's kale quinoa nachos and chicken. How and chicken Well, you can best? optional chicken thing oh, for, for the veg. Yeah. So you just like have a layer of you make your own corn tortilla <laughs> nachos. And then you put quinoa with red, or red quinoa with black beans, garlic, um, and then uh, you kind of throw that on top of the nachos and then put kale and then put it in the oven and the kale gets crispy and the nachos are crispy and it's like this kale Mm. sandwich thing. And then you put sriracha on it. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Get sriracha while you can. It's good. You guys all know about that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Crazy. Crazy. Is it closed down or is it just closed down temporarily?
9: I think it's, temporary. I think it's they're, temporary. They're still selling it. Super there's hard at the there's
0: too much money to be made in sriracha for it to close down. Fully. I got I got so much money in sriracha stock right yeah. now that I'm nervous. But Why don't we Why do we hear another song? Okay. Okay. What are you guys gonna play? What do you wanna do?
7: Well, I was gonna say if if we were gonna talk about one of my favorite recipes, we call it rabbit food, and it's some some kind of like muesli creation. Um,
8: it's the best
7: It's really delicious and healthy But we're going to play a song called Rabbit Oh um, That we wrote this summer It was uh, my first collaboration with Sam <laughs> And Austin Austin plays drum on our recording of it
8: Okay Ready? Are you there, Austin? Yeah Okay, ready?
7: It's also uh, an adaptation of a Wallace Stevens poem
2: So
0: Words for that, that was amazing. <laughs> Thank was amazing. You. Um, Thank you, so much. you have so many different types of drumsticks and accoutrement. Like it's amazing. I
8: only you have to see him play solo. And I was gonna stuff. say,
0: <laughs> and you hold your drumstick in a way that makes me think that I would love to see you really go to town on a drum set.
9: You should come. You should come see me play sometime.
0: I will absolutely come see you play. You want
9: to? You want to hear me pimp all the times I'm playing this week? Yeah.
0: yeah. What's we, today? Well,
9: can we talk about Tuesday night's show? That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. Talk well, because Sam is on that one too. Yeah. So, well, maybe Sam. I don't really know oh, yeah. what's up with that, but I'm super excited to be doing it. So, go ahead, Sam.
8: Okay, my friend, our friend Luke Temple of uh, Luke Temple and Here We Go Magic is—he's been booking a series at Union Pool that's kind of based around improv, improv improvising, creating music spontaneously spontaneous composition yes that that would be the instantaneous way. composition sure so Luke uh, Luke booked Austin uh, Austin's going to be playing with a legend uh, Daniel Carter um, a legend of the New York imp- improvisational scene um, going back to the 50s 60s. I mean, He no. was, like, born in the 45 or something. All right, so... Like. So he, he was in New York. Got and started was, at six. Yeah. He came
9: yeah. in, he well, came he in not the not much, 70s. He got, he like once the he center, got his hand on those really, pots and pans, yeah. he really just... You know, thought. he actually was living in North Carolina as a child. Well, that, and Ohio.
8: That makes sense. You guys can talk about your favorite restaurants. At any rate. <laughs> so, I, yeah, Austin's playing I'm playing, playing a duo with, with Daniel Carter. And I'm playing... That's I'll be actually playing clarinet on this show with um, Jason. As long as you remember
9: it, right? Yes, yeah, as as
8: remember <laughs> it Ouch. with Jason Nazary, who's another great drummer uh, of this band, Little Women, and um, uh, some other great friends.
0: Are there any women in Little Women?
8: No, of course not. No, <laughs> of course of but not. have you seen? Have
0: you seen this band? No. Are they all it, really big dudes? They're yeah. pre- they're
9: all pretty big. They're not yeah. big. They're not big. Well, they're from Brooklyn? I mean, they're yeah. not like they're right, your average good. skinny, tall guy in a band. Little Women is the Little Women is the best band in Brooklyn.
0: Oh. <laughs> Whoa! I second wow. that opinion. Oh, but
9: I guess Darius lives in Queens. They're the best band in New York.
0: <laughs> Ooh! Whoa.
8: Drop the mic. <laughs> yeah. That's a big. Uh, these I are expensive
0: know. mics. You, you dropped. You're <laughs> on Snacky. Yeah, all uh, and, five of you. And for the three of you, when are you playing next?
7: Um, I, I think our next show is probably going to be. Uh, at the Jenkins House concert. Oh, really? I'm going to see if Austin's available. I haven't asked him yet. We were yet.
8: supposed to play tomorrow night, but it got canceled. It got
7: canceled. Uh, Friends and Lovers is a new venue, but they're they're getting their permit straightened out. Where is that? Um, it's in Crown Heights, actually. Uh, so hopefully they'll be up and running soon. But on the 21st, uh, we might be doing a house show, and then probably into the new year.
0: And uh, what's next for you guys, after shows?
7: After shows, well, we just recorded the song that we played first Um, and I would like to, I'm working on writing songs for a full length album I'm hoping to record and have done by the spring and summer.
0: And is it just you writing or is there outside influence?
7: Um, I write a lot of my own songs. Sam and I have been writing together a lot Um, and I love also taking on the songs of other friends. A couple songs on my EP were written by friends of mine and I love reinterpreting other people's music. So uh, we'll see what happens when I put it all down on tape.
0: And uh, final question before we hear one more song How do people get invited to your house jams?
7: Um, you can check out my mom's blog. <laughs> my mom had a blog long before I ever did.
0: First wave. Um, did your mom teach you how to blog? <laughs> she
7: <laughs> she kind of did, actually. Oh my
0: God, it's amazing. Yeah. Mom, I can't post this photo. <laughs> <laughs> Just rolls her eyes. Yeah. Ugh, come here.
7: She's so high tech, she's got her iPad. Oh. oh,
0: same with our mom. She always says she doesn't want to ever be le- feel left behind.
7: Cool. Oh, I yeah. hope she, She's listening today, right? Yeah, yeah, did you
0: call her today? Hi, Mom. I did. So, so did, did I. You. Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. Um, So why don't you give people the nuts and bolts where they can find um, you, follow you, uh, get the EP?
7: Well, you can check out My, my Bandcamp has uh, two of the songs that we're playing today. And that's just Cassandra Jenkins Bandcamp and Facebook and CassandraJenkins.com. I've got... My last record came out on vinyl. I printed it in Brooklyn. I pressed it in Brooklyn, and did uh, you I f- press it with? With uh, a company that is unfortunately no longer. Oh, it's man. called EKS. And it's, it's fortunate that they are no longer. <laughs> they <laughs> they really. owe us some money. Yeah, so, <laughs> so um, but I've I've got a hundred vinyls left.
0: Ooh. So how many did you have? Hotcakes only three hundred. Okay. That's still pretty good. Hey, Brandon's saying one hundred and one. You know, <laughs> yeah.
7: yeah. Yeah. So. Um, you can find those online and you can get in touch with me on Facebook.
0: Uh, well, great. Well, uh, everyone, thanks for listening to Snacky Tunes. Uh, I think we have one more show we know, this one year. one more uh, show. Who's the food guest next week? I have to. We have, uh, <laughs> have Rad Dads as a band next week. So, uh, listen oh, up. And if you're around, come out to the Refinery29 pop-up store, 201 Mulberry Street. Yeah. Self-promo, baby. Weird. It's not weird. A little weird. Um, all right. Well, um, I also want to thank uh, Emery Saw Saltwater Farm <laughs> and uh, Paul and Kong and Rob. Um, oh, and shout out to Glassery, who makes the best rabbit dish in all of New York.
3: Ooh. Yeah.
0: Honestly, uh, it's. Well, I mean, we were we were doubters. We were doubters. We were doubters. And doubters. and I told Sarah last night. I said, listen, this is like the fourth time I've been here. I've never ordered the rabbit dish. If you like rabbit, go. They say it for two. That's ridiculous. Like. Maybe it's two of the little women, but, like, <laughs> it's it's like a four-person dish. It's amazing. Have you had it? I have. It's amazing. The charred pieces taste like octopus. It's crazy. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so hop on over there. All right. And I'll uh, be back with one more episode. And uh, thanks for seeing it. And what's the last song you're going to take us out with? Well,
7: I like how much we're talking about animals on this show today. We had lobster talk. We had fish talk. We had rabbit talk. And this is a song called The Bird.
0: Okay. Live on Snacky
2: And it does me no good No its is